Okay, hey, I I don't know if you could hear me a minute ago or not, but uh, welcome all you gardening cats and gators, and uh, welcome to the last show in August. It's uh, wonderful to have you tuning in, and uh, pretty nice weather. So as I was just about to say, it's been a rough week for me because it's Rama Mary week. That means Mary's birthday is tomorrow, and I have to be try to be good for two weeks in a row. This is almost killing me. I mean, I, I got a whole week to go. I don't know if I can do it, but I'll try. I'll do my best. So, uh, hey, I just want to say hi to everyone I spoke to. I got a great guest, so hang on. I'll introduce him in a minute. And uh, so I uh, gave that tour at Arts in the Garden at the Bellevue Botanical Garden. This is becoming kind of a yearly thing for me now. And uh, as long as they have me do it, I love it. So uh, and just a huge crowd to start. People go off and do their shopping for all that great art and everything as we go along. <laughs> Got to meet some really good friends in the pub after the the talk, which was really, really fun after the tour. And uh, I got to tell you that um, I, I'm i just going to tell you my favorite artists. Not, I have a lot of favorites, but these three are the winners right now. So I buy bu- glass bugs from Katie LaRue. She's from down in Oregon, but she's at art shows now and then. Those things are so fun to put in pots and things, and they just uh, reflect the light. They're really neat. Then uh, Peter Godwin, he makes these concrete statues of things that I die for, and I've got them all over my house, including a pig head and a pig butt, which is pretty cool, if you ask me. (laughs) But the winner this year, my favorite thing I got, was from Roxanne Van Vyck. So I don't know the name of her company, but Roxanne Van Vyck, and I, over the years, I have gotten all these incredible hummingbirds from her. And they, they hang down on these real pretty things. And I've got f- four or five now hanging off my arbor at my house. This last one I got is the best one she's ever made. They're pure glass and the sun shines through them uh, so beautifully. You can't believe it. So those are my recommendations. Maybe you'll catch some of them at Sorticulture later uh, next year. Hey, and uh, um, all right, just want to let you know where I'm going to be quick. I didn't even know I'm going to be here, but I am Thursday, September 12th at 1 p.m. So that's Thursday at 1 p.m. I'll be speaking at the Mercer Island Community and Event Center. And I'm going to be showing a lot of my favorite uh, late summer plants, giving away some plants, and a Gardening with Cisco t-shirt, oh la la, and one of my books. And uh, so I hope lots of you come. And I did know about this talk, Tuesday, September 17th at 5.30 p.m., I'll be speaking at the Renton Farmer's Market at the Piazza. That's got to be quite a fun little event that I do. And uh, it's an especially great day at the Renton Farmer's Market because they are celebrating Salmon's Day. Oh, la, la. So so you know there's going to be a lot of good things to eat there. So I hope you come. I'll be giving away plants and a T-shirt and a book. 
That seems like I do that a lot, doesn't it? Okay, hey, right now, I want to introduce my guest. It's Don Evans, and he is a spokesperson for Call 811 Before You Dig. Hey, Don, how you doing? I am doing fantastic. How about yourself, Cisco? I am just doing great as can be. Loving this summer. It is such a good one. One of the best years oh, for yeah. gardening I've ever had. It's been great. Well, good weather for gardening also means good weather for uh, doing that home digging, those big projects that involve moving dirt. So we're enjoying it as well. Uh, well, listen, this is the question I wanted to ask you. You know, you've been on the show a few times, but it never, ever hurts to remind people what the, when are you, when do you need to call before you dig? Perfect question to start. Just think this way. If you're doing your fall gardening and you're changing the small plants around uh, yourself, you live in the house or, or you own it, but, you know, 12 inches or less, don't bother. You're fine. But if you're going to dig 12 inches or more and you're moving some, some sizable amounts of dirt for these projects like decks and fences and, you know, things like that, trees, call 811 first. And if you don't want to call, you can do it online. But you got to notify 811 first to get those lines marked at the utility zone, or you'll be digging in the blind. Yeah, that's scary digging in the blind. You know, I've I've I had to do, do it. it before in emergency situations at Seattle University, and uh-huh. there's nothing scarier than digging fairly deep when you don't know what's under there, you know, even though I worked there for 24 years and I felt like I knew where everything was. You're never sure what's under that ground. That's one of the reasons I love coming on your show, because you can relate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You've been there. Oh, yeah. Well, we we actually hit a gas line once at SU, and uh, oh my, they had to uh, evacuate two buildings, fire engines everywhere. It turned out that it was an abandoned gas line, but uh, it was really scary, and it was an embarrassing situation for me. And the university could have got a fine if we had hit an active gas line. So it was, you know, it was one of those situations I don't want to ever have to deal with again as long as I live. So, <laughs> Well, you bring up a, a really good point that we've been noticing a lot this year, Uh Let's say someone is digging in the blind, they hit a line and nothing horrible happens like the loss of life or an injury, they're going to get a bill from the utility for hitting their line if they didn't call 811 first. Ah. And sometimes getting a large four-figure bill is, you know, scarier than digging in the blind. Four-figure. So, that's that's not little, well, is you it? Can, <laughs> you can get a thousand dollar two thousand dollar bill from a utility if you hit their line wow and you didn't call 811 first it's just not worth it is it no it's not who makes who do you who are the people that mess up the most is it businesses is it homeowners oh that's a tough one to say it's usually uh long time professional excavators and i hear this phrase a lot so I don't, I don't want you to use this in one of your books, but here's a <laughs> phrase I hear all the time. I know where everything is buried. Yep. And I always ask, how do you know that? Do you have x-ray vision? <laughs> no, I saw it all go in, so I know where everything is buried. 
those are the folks that get in trouble the most often. Yeah. Digging the blind without calling 811 because they assume they know what's there. Yeah, that's the dumbest thing you can do on earth, huh? <laughs> Boy. Well, I don't know if I'm allowed to say dumb, but <laughs> you give me my own radio show one day, I'm going to say it's dumb as well over yeah. the airwaves. I get to say it. Of course, I've been kind of dumb a few times in my life too, but you know, so like. <laughs> Putting in a putting in a fence that somewhere I could really see you need to call before you do it. You're going to be putting that cement. You need that post hole digger to go pretty deep on something like that. Yeah, those footers are usually at least two feet deep, in my experience. And people make the assumptions that all utilities are deeper than that. You just can't make that assumption because okay. uh, legally they only have to be put in at a specific depth the day you install them. After that, that utility can be at any depth. That's why you call 811 first. And this always scares people. It's legal to bury telecommunications, telephone and cable TV, shallow. Oh. Perfectly legal to drop a connection at your home and just put it on top of the ground down from the pole. State of Washington says that's legal for cable TV and telephone lines. So you know, you can't just say, well, I'm going to only go two feet down. I won't hit anything. You just don't know. So make the free call, right? Yeah. Otherwise, because uh, th- that telecommunications, uh, those lines can be very expensive to repair. So I can only imagine. Yeah. Expensive, extremely inconvenient if that is your only, you know, uh, lifeline out into the world. Uh, that's where you're getting uh, your 911 if you, if that's your landline that you break. And you want to really get nervous. Uh, cut your kid's cable TV service. <laughs> that you're, would be bad. Or think if gardening with Cisco before. was on. Oh, my gosh. it would be, oh, That, would be, that would be the worst of all. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, so can, I'd write my senator. Can, can you actually get fined? For uh, not only the repairs, but can you get fined if you don't call and you hit something? Yes, you can. Uh, in Washington, the enforcement of our dig law begins with a complaint from your peers. It's called a peer review system. So anyone in the state can file a complaint against anyone else that they allege have broken the dig law. And oh. I'll, I'll give you a quick example. I got two calls in the last two weeks from homeowners who saw their neighbors digging, but they didn't see any paint on the ground. They didn't see any utility trucks come up. Uh, they did a little research. They didn't find a dig ticket. And they were nervous that maybe their utilities were going to get cut. Oh. And in one case, that's exactly what happened. Oh, the person doing the digging cut the other person's uh, city water line. And she was inconvenienced for days. Oh, boy. So if that complaint is brought against you, your peers hear that review, and if they say you definitely broke the dig law, they turn that into the Utilities Transportation Commission, and you get a letter from the state of Washington. With a, you can be fined up to a thousand dollars per occurrence, and up to five thousand dollars per any reoccurrence in three years, and or training. Oh boy! Okay, l- listen. I don't have much time left, but. Uh, so the big question, you got to call two days ahead or do it through email two days ahead, right? Online? Two business days in advance. If you want to do it online and you don't want to hang on the phone, you go to call 
beforeyoudig.org. Click on a button that's called iTick. Boom, you're there. You're there. So it's so easy. It's free. Nobody pays for this, do they? No. Uh, the utilities pay all the bills. So, Call before you dig is 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 encouraged, and it is not uh, a cost that we pass on to the citizens. The law says that the utilities have to participate, so it's a free call to eight one one. Well, how the heck? Why wouldn't anyone do that? <laughs> I don't know. Think but, ahead, yeah, a everybody. A lot more than we're doing it since we started uh, in, uh, advertising on your show. So thank you. Well, you're so welcome. Well, listen, it's so great having you on, Don. And uh, listen. Go out there and do some gardening now, okay? Count on it. I, All right, I look buddy. To seeing you next year. All right, see you next year. Thanks a lot for uh, coming on the show, Don, Don Evans. My from, pleasure. Call eight one one before you dig. All right, see you, Don. All right, everyone. We'll be right back. Ninety seven three Cairo FM. You're listening to Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends. Hey, I'm flying solo today, so if you want to give me a call, get an answer to your gardening question, one 973 cairo one 973 So while I'm waiting, I want to mention a few things. One is that I've been getting a lot of emails from people saying, we've got tent caterpillars. Well, we don't have what we call tent caterpillars right now. We've got what we call fall webworm. And uh, tent caterpillars are a brown moth, and they come in spring. And they they can uh, denude a whole tree. They can eat every leaf off a tree. There's so many of them. But... Uh, Caterpillar that we have right now, and you'll see a big tent on your uh, tree or usually on a tree. I guess it could happen on a bush. So you might want to go out and take a look and see if, like, one of your branches has a big tent on it. Uh, Those caterpillars turn into a white moth. They're not near as bad because you don't – very rare that you get maybe more than two little uh, tents little caterpillar tents on your tree. I mean, they can, they can envelop a whole branch. So there's a couple ways you could deal with this. You could spray with something like BD, BTT, uh, which, um, or BT, and it's a bacterial agent that you could put on, and it only kills caterpillars. But I don't think you have to do that at all. So what I would recommend instead is go out there and either take a stick or something and just break up the uh, webbing. That opens it up to birds and wasps, and they'll zoom right in there and have a feast on those guys. And usually, I find, that's all it takes. But if you want, you can cut off the branch. You can go up there and scrape off the caterpillars if you want, but that's a pretty gross job to say the least. Oh, la, la. <laughs> don't shake hands with anyone after you do it. So, uh, but you can like cut off the end of the branch where the, where the webbing is. They always stay in their webbing. Unlike tent caterpillars that go all over the place and then go back into the webbing at night. So uh, what I would say is that 
try to stick first. If that doesn't seem to get rid of them, it should get rid of enough of them, so there's no problem. If it doesn't get rid of them, then uh, what I'd recommend is go up there and either scrape off the caterpillars or cut off the bunch, the piece of tree that's got them. It's not going to cause any major harm to your tree. And that'll be the end of it for this year. They'll probably be back next year because they're flying around causing trouble, but uh, nothing serious at all. So that's the problem that I've been getting the most emails from this week. So that's what to look for. Okay, listen, we're going to go to the news right now. When we come back, I have lots of open lines, but Janet from Everett will put you on 97.3 Cairo FM. This is Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends. Okay, bonjour encore. Welcome back. And uh, second half of the show is just getting started, and we're going to talk to Janet and Everett. Hi, Janet. Hi, Cisco. Can you hear me? Yeah, you betcha. Okay. I called you a couple of weeks ago about my winter squash, and I told you that um, it had succumbed to powdery mildew and the vines were dying, but there were squashes, and you said just leave them. And so I have, but now the vines are all dead, and the squashes aren't growing anymore, and they're just laying there. So should I harvest them, or should I just let them lay there? Well, I think you'd better uh, harvest them. Okay. So, and then, you know, you got to cure them a little bit. So. Yeah, how do I do that? Try to remember how to do that myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a YouTube on it. Oh, yeah. Well, I think a lot of them you actually put in high heat for about a week. So, like in your. High heat? Yeah. So, somewhere that's warm. And you leave them in the warmth for about a week, and then you store them cool in the 50s. Oh. So, oh. Yeah. Okay. And, I'll try it. So, yeah. Yeah, I, okay. think, I think that'll work for you. And, uh, like high heat, do you mean like a greenhouse or something? Well, most people put them uh, like in uh, just, you know, even a lot of people leave them out in the sun for about a week. When you cut them off. Because uh, even though I know there's still vines just attached to them, when you cut yeah. those off, leave those a uh, couple inches long. They store okay. much better when you do that. Yeah. And okay. then. And then put them in the sun, like on my deck, when my deck where it gets hot? Yeah, I think that would be all right to do that. Because um, I, I think. That's the main thing. You want to, you've got to cure them. So, and the thing is, you know, the the one thing I'm worried about is that if if those vines died back too early, they may not be totally ripe. And there's nothing you could do about that. You just got to hope they are. Yeah. You know, you know what I used to do? Try and stick my thumbnail through the skin of a couple of them. And if it's really yeah. hard to do that. Then they're ripe yeah. and ready to go. If, if it's hard to do that, yeah, it's, they're oh. See, if oh, you could stick your thumbnail right in, then you got a problem. They didn't really ripen up all the way. Oh, 
okay, I'll try that today. Okay, now, how to prevent this happening next year? Okay. Can I, I not can I not plant them in the same spot? No, it's not that, but clean up every bit of leaves and vines that you can. When you harvest, okay. don't yeah. leave any of those leaves out there because uh, if if those leaves are out there, they're going to uh, sporulate the diseases on them. They're going to sporulate, and then that's going to you know end up going back right onto the plant. Make sure okay. you water them adequately. The key thing is you don't want them to. Uh, you, what you don't want is uh, for them to get stressed in any way. Uh huh. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, so yeah, Good. leave leave them out in the sun for about ten days, I'd say. All and right, then, I'll try but it. if you hear of a frost coming, or if we're going to get a ton of rain, then it might be time to bring them into a warm place. But you got to cure them in okay. a warm place for about ten days. Okay. All right. I'll try it. Thanks All so much, Cisco. Okay. Thanks so much. Great call. See you, Janet. Bye bye. Okay, I, I think we'll go ahead and go to Anne. She lives near Bellingham. Hey, Anne, how's it going? Good question. Um, do voles come out up and above ground and eat plant leaves? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, voles did are... So did you say voles or moles? Voles. Yeah, voles. Voles are the worst thing you can get. They devour plants. They eat the roots. Well, because they... I had a beautiful. Sorry, I'm having trouble hearing you. You're breaking up. Okay, just a minute. I think the microwave on at the other end of the house. Hold on. Okay. Um, yeah, because we had uh, very nice plants on the north side, and all of a sudden one morning they were sort of. Uh, Denuded, and um, so Are you okay? were these okay? were these yeah I'm hearing yeah were these vegetables a shrub no, these were uh, impatience yeah I can I can imagine they might be able to eat impatience and we saw little uh, little holes now so they come above ground oh yeah voles come above ground they actually yeah, have it, little a, they have little runs that go through your garden. And they're only about an eighth inch deep. Nobody has ever, I've seen like little, not moles, but just little runs, but nothing has ever in all the years been touched. But this was odd, came up, and the impatience were like, gee, what happened to the leaves? It's like somebody sprayed them with something, and they were all kind of denuded. Yeah, (laughs) that sounds like, that sounds like voles to me. Yeah, it is voles, because there's little holes. These are not mole holes. Yeah. Little Tiny holes. They're uh, two of them. They're mole holes. They're vole holes. Okay, yep. and that answers that. You know, that's what I thought, but I wasn't sure. I didn't know they came above ground. And and, and you know, holes. you know, Anne, that I can't tell you. You can get uh, pre-baited mouse traps that work really well because it's illegal to to uh, use mouse traps to catch voles outside. But um, what you do in your own garden is your business. I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to tell you that you could use those. 
<laughs> well, I do have. We do have mouse traps. Okay, what do you put in a mouse trap, though? You you got to find their runs. There's these runs that are about uh, they're about a half inch wide and they're about an no, no, eighth okay, inch you put deep. It outside though, not yeah. inside the run. No, no. Okay, so what do I put in the trap that will they will eat? Well, you could try peanut butter in there, but oh, uh, I to. like those pre-baited traps the best. Oh, I'm not going to go buy anything. I've okay. got sesame. I got sesame um, butter. Well, you could, tr- you could try that. I, if you got high class uh, voles, they might tahini. eat them. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but there's a big kitty that lives here too. A nice big kitty. Is oh. the kitty going to go put her nose in that? Yeah, you got to watch out for that. That could be a problem. The kitty could get a swack. The kitty could lose a nose. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The next question: We have beautiful two huge, very large eggplants, and they're producing very nicely. And I noticed that the leaves, uh, they're watered, certainly lots of moisture, and uh, some of the leaves get a little brown on the edges and curl up. And I was wondering, is that just normal for eggplant? Are they in pots? No, 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 no there's a garden. They're growing in the ground. Garden. Well, I, I suspect that they're getting a little dry between waterings. No, they can't be. No. They're not. So you're watering no, no. plenty. Is well, the sun by any chance? I, I, I thought eggplants like uh, a lot of sun. They do like sun. There's something. And they like heat. Well, there might be something that maybe they're getting too much water could cause that too. Because if, if the roots start dying back a little bit, if that happens, then what happens after that is uh, the plant can't pick up enough water just the same as if it wasn't getting watered enough because the roots are damaged. So that could be it. It's tricky, you know. It's really tricky watering vegetables. And this time of year especially, you know, it's just... Yeah, because I, I was wondering, because sometimes a plant looked like it was almost wilted a little bit, and uh, but these edges were kind of brown, but it's producing beautifully. Oh, beautiful good. Let me let me ask you one question. When you water it, when they look like they're wilting, when you water it, do they jump right back up? Not really, I don't think. Okay, Maybe I think I think they're water. getting too much water. Because I read that uh, eggplants like lots of water, so believe me, they've been getting... Well, they, they do, but it, there is, so, there is uh, such a That's thing as too point. much. <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah. Hey, I'm, so hey, I'm running out of watch. time, and I I gotta run. I'm sorry. I wish I could talk more with you, but I gotta take a break. Thank you so much for calling. Okay, Tina. When we come back, we're gonna pop you on ninety-seven-three Cairo FM. So hang on. This is Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends, brought to you by PacificTopsoil.com and Moldax in Woodenville. Ooh la la. Here's Cisco. Ooh la la. We're already in the last section of the show. Hey, let's go to Kent. Tina, what's going on? Hi, Cisco. How are you? Hey, fantastic. I hope you are, too. Yes. Oh, good. I have a garlic question. Oh, okay. When is the right time to plant garlic and what is the best kind of garlic to grow in this area oh okay great question so i always plant my garlic in october 
So October is a good time to plant. You may get some growth, but you're not going to get a whole lot uh, before winter comes on. And uh, now I barely fertilize my garlic when I plant it. I might put a little organic bulb food under it, but only like uh, at the most, uh, you know, uh, oh, I'd say a tablespoon or something under each bulb. And then, Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, and then I always buy my garlic at a nursery or online because uh, a lot of times they treat garlic at the grocery store so that it won't grow. So you can be in for a big disappointment if you plant any of that stuff. Plus, it could have a a disease that could uh, infect the soil and you would never be able to grow garlic there again. So uh, I I plant at one inch below the ground, so that the pointy end is one inch below the ground. Plant it in mm-hmm. October, hardly fertilize it at all. But then in spring, when it starts to grow in March, I give it really high nitrogen fertilizer, like blood meal or something like that. And uh, okay. And because what you want then, starting when it starts to grow in March, you want to make it grow as fast as you can because the more leaves it grows on the top, the bigger that the the clove, the bulb is going to be when you harvest it. And garlic's a little tricky because um, what happens is as soon as you get to the to the solstice and the days start getting shorter again, then what happens is, uh, or the days get longer, what happens is the, uh, the, the leaves start to die back. So you start watering a little less, you stop fertilizing, and um, then when there's about four leaves left, usually that's the time to harvest because every time a leaf dies... Uh, one of the little covers underneath the ground around the bulb uh, falls off, kind of dies off. And so if you wait too long, you don't have enough cover on the bulb, and it opens up and dirt gets inside. And you don't want that, but you want to wait as long as you can because it's still getting bigger because it's being fed. So it's kind of tricky, but usually when there's about four leaves, I'll dig one up and take a good look at it and go, okay, that's good size. I'm ready. Let's harvest. And then you you got to leave them somewhere in a shady spot sitting uh, with good ventilation to let them cure for about a week. And then you're ready to braid them. Huh? Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite kind well, or a favorite supplier? Well, the, well, uh, a lot of times I go to Wells Medina Nursery. They have unbelievable uh, selection okay. of uh, garlic there. They got a lot of the hot, mm-hmm. the hot ones. So hot garlic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, that's the hardneck garlic. The hardneck garlic doesn't keep very well, so they're hard to braid, and you eat those pretty soon. You know, they'll last, you know, a month or two, but nothing like the soft neck. So the soft neck, you know, you can braid those up, and, you know, if if they're cured well, 
they can last almost six months. So, you know, it depends which okay, one so you like. Huh? If I understand correctly. If I understand correctly, October, one inch deep. Yep. Very, very little fertilizer to begin with. Yep. Fertilize in March when it starts growing. And ev- I fertilize every possible. two weeks, every two weeks in March while it's growing. Every and April weeks. and May. And huh? When it gets down to four leaves, check one out and hopefully pull it out. Yeah, and then cure them, then braid them, okay. and then eat them, and you'll be chic as anybody you know. Thank you so much. I appreciate your help. Hey, thanks a lot. Hey, I love Rojo, Spanish Rojo. It's really hot, but it's really good. Oh, la, la. Okay. 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 See ya. Bye-bye. Yeah, when you, if you try to eat Spanish Rojo garlic raw, it actually burns that geezer hair right out of your ears. So uh, you'll see smoke coming out. Oh, la, la. You have to be a real man or woman to do that. Let me tell you what. Hey, okay, I didn't announce what things are coming up, so you might want to go to uh, Cisco.com, go to the events page. And uh, so uh, my my good buddy, uh, uh, Greg Butler, he'll be at Swanson's giving a great talk on hummingbirds. There are still openings for one of his. And uh, there's a really famous woman, Rosemary Alexander, She'll uh, be speaking at BBG. She's coming to see my garden in a couple of days. I'm really excited about that. So that's going to be a really great talk Wednesday, September 4th, 7 p.m. Lots of other good ones are all listed in my events page on uh, Cisco.com. And uh, don't forget, whatever you do, that I will be speaking at the Mercer Island Community and Events Center and that is on Thursday, September 12th at 1 p.m. And uh, also Tuesday, September 17th at 5.30 in the afternoon, I'll be speaking at the Renton Farmer's Market at the Piazza, which both of those sound really fun. It's salmon day, so uh, you'll have something to put that garlic on. Oh, la, la. <laughs> All right, so keep an eye out for those fall webworms. They're out there doing their thing. I saw a lot of them around. Brian, thanks so much for a great show today. Okay, everybody, get out and garden. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.